Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Just be willing to continue to grow and learn and failing isn't really failing. You know, you just, you find out information and you get to apply that next time. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I am Mike Veldhuis, business owner of the Dutch IT company Nalta and podcaster from the Netherlands. I just love the Women in Tech podcast by the talented Esprit Devora. It's made with passion and creativity. It gives insight into the world of inspirational women from all around the globe. But most of all, it's fun to listen to. Esprit Devora truly is the girl who gets it done. LinkedIn presents... Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, where we are celebrating women in tech from around the world. Today, I'm super excited to be talking to Joyce Shulman, who is based in San Francisco, California. My name is Anika Aftab, and I'm based in Honolulu, Hawaii, and I've been passionate about the healthcare space my entire life. I'm incredibly excited to be interviewing women that are changing the healthcare landscape one tech company at a time. So Joyce, tell everyone a little bit about you, who you are, and what you do. Okay. Um, Well, good morning, and it's so nice to be here with you. I am an innovation strategist. I've worked in healthcare for most of my career, spanning across integrated payer provider models, care delivery, payers, uh, digital telehealth startups. Uh, growth companies, uh, wearables. And I would say that I am passionate about disrupting the status quo through human-centered design methodologies and data-driven insights alongside emerging technologies to create valuable, memorable, and delightful products, services, and experiences. I absolutely love that. And it's so incredibly important to have this way of thinking and uh, doing in the healthcare space because we don't have it enough. Um, and I, I love that. I'm ready to to jump into all of that. So you said you're an innovation strategist. What does that mean? Great question. You know, it really means being partners to, you know, some of the times I've worked for larger kind of legacy companies and we're a team of people that's trying to disrupt ourselves. And so that's really looking at how do we bring in new services capabilities um, into kind of a large organization. And so we might be in kind of this special bubble that allows us to kind of prove out proof of concept 
and then really present our findings to see where the alignment is in the larger organization. That's just an example of of one type of of of, of way in which I've worked inside the healthcare space. I love that. And and just based on your experience, it seems like you've had a wide variety of, um, you know, roles within the health technology space. So how did you first become, you know, exposed to the health technology world? Well, that's a good question. And if I look back, uh, some of the roles I had, especially in kind of the wearable space, you know, at that point, um, we didn't even call it health tech and we didn't call it wearable. We really had this like interesting uh, product that could help our customers be more successful with their wellness goals. And from there, um, you know, moving into Kaiser Permanente, uh, originally I'd started within the sales team and one day I was kind of in going into a women in leadership meeting, women in tech at uh, what I didn't realize was kind of our innovation uh, floor uh, for all of our innovation team. And I saw someone who was our intern and she had gotten hired in this team. And I remember seeing her, her name was Grace. And I said, Grace, what are you doing here? Is this where you work now? And she said, yeah. And I said, it looks like you guys are doing some really interesting work here. And she said, let me make an introduction to you. And from that point forward, I was working in digital innovation and strategy for a really special team and special group of people. And that's what got us into tech that was used to really help the patient experience and healthcare delivery. So take care of your interns. That's what I'll say. Take care of your interns and they'll take care of you. (laughs) And it is, I mean, honestly, women elevating other women, regardless of where they start. I I absolutely love hearing stories like that because it is sometimes like a who you know kind of a space, Um, but you never know where someone is going to end up and um, who can help you. And so I love, I love that. You know, what, what would you say is your calling? if you have found it? Goodness. Um, You know, as it relates to uh, healthcare, I think one of, you know, I would always say make the world a better place. And, you know, I have my sister is in nursing and I always knew kind of the front line was just not a place that, um, that I could like really do that work, but I knew that I wanted to enable the front line and I knew that I wanted to make patient experiences better. And coming from a place of curiosity and empathy, I think that that is like my special way of making a difference in the companies that I've worked is so that they really understand the humans that they're designing for. So I think my calling is in this magical space of creativity empathy, uh, experience, and making sure there's value coming on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what would you say, like, what actions did you take to develop a calling like this? Because it does seem like it resonates through a lot of like the work that you've done and it's been a continuous theme in your life. Um, so I'm just curious to know, you know, someone who's just starting out, 
her career as I am, what what actions would you recommend or what have you taken? You know what? I would say uh, say yes. Like go, you know, and there are projects that are coming up and if there are areas that, you know, there was a, a really, um, so how I got involved with probably one of my favorite and most transformational product projects was reimagining ambulatory design. And I remember talking to my manager at that just before kind of the product or the project was brought into our team. And for perspective, this was a project that involved building eight new ambulatory care centers in Southern California. We had received board approval to really rethink what the patient experience would be like, making it less like hospital-like experiences, but more of when you go in to check your check in for flights, when you go in to ch- to get uh, hotel and concierge services, and then making it much more collaborative for the clinical care teams. So that's the project. And I just joined a team and I was doing small bites of innovation work. So we would get innovation funding. We would have this incredible uh, partner outside of the company and we were testing concepts. And then, you know, he asked me, what, what would you like to be doing? And I said, I'm ready to take on more would you be willing to support me though when there are areas or process or methodology that I'm just not sure of how to approach next? Like I'm willing to work late, be available at early morning times or late evening, but I'm ready to do more. And I like the complexity and I just asked for it. And, um, but also said, you know, I'm, I'm recognizing that I have, room to grow? And do you have capacity to mentor and teach or connect me? And so I think it's it's really thinking about career development and, and just putting it out there and realizing it might take a year. It could be next week. You never know. Uh, and then find mentors that can help. Wow. I love that. I mean, I, in the first part too, I love that you're not only recognizing within yourself what like the room that you have for more more like the abundance but then also putting yourself out there and taking those opportunities as they come or putting you yourself out there and telling people what what it is that you want Um, I think that's so important Um, and speaking of mentors who who would you say are some of the your mentors in your career it's so interesting you know there are people that I bonded with right away Um, There were people when I was working at Kaiser, uh, Faye Sahai, she was leading our innovation team. She's a pioneer. um, And, you know, she actually started our women in tech program. Uh, Megan Zimmerman took over after she left to, to kind of move on to other areas. And just, again, always finding ways of like how to support and plug in others inside of Anthem, which is where I went in 2020 and I was working in their innovation team, Maria Filipova. I mean, she was this brilliant visionary who put women in leadership roles all around her. And Kate Merton was, excuse me, Merton. What I really learned from her is she always anticipated the questions that were going to be asked, and she already had a plan for those. She really elevated women 
around her to present the work that they did, which wasn't the case always in that organization. And she wanted to, she didn't want the spotlight. She wanted to promote the people around her. And in response to that, she had incredible loyalty. So these are all people that I really learned not only about innovation, but about leadership and team building. And I I love that you had so many really strong, powerful female role models within your, these like, these faces, because these were pretty big companies. Um, And I admire that you had, or at least I know Kaiser fairly well. I really admire that you had such strong um, role models. Thank you. You know, and I I also then really realized um, the importance of building kind of these tiers or ladders of communities that are at different points of their career. And I still keep in touch with two of the women in my innovation team. Uh, One was just coming out of her MBA, kind of early 30s. Another one was really looking for growth and promotions inside of, of the last team I was in. And we still sit down and have a call. And the way in which we format this is, what's coming up for you at work? What should we celebrate? What are some challenges that you're having and how can we support each other? And what are you curious about? And that's the way we keep the conversation focused and that we're all listening and supporting the joys and also seeing how we can kind of support each other in in some of the challenges and being thought partners for those challenges. I admire that. And that's, that's amazing. And what, what would you, why would you say women are crucial for and I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> crucial for this health innovation space because I'd love to I'd love to hear your opinion on that. Well, you know, I think you know part of it's it's to have the diversity of perspectives in the room, right? There are um, and I think it brings. I mean, that's like first and foremost is is the diversity and. Uh, in the room. And that's not always been the case in projects then or teams that I've had. And so when you start to look at the utmost top level, their direct reports, the next level down, and when you're not seeing women to like director and senior director roles, there's really a problem there. So I would say it really helps with bringing in your circles, your circles of trust, really helping to bring and promote people into roles and give them access. Um, and I think that's, you know, one of the, the ways in which we can all support each other. So, yeah, I would say it really helps with access. No, absolutely. And I was actually just reading um, a few things recently, how um, the women, the female perspective is not really accounted for in a lot of different research studies or, um, within a lot of, like I was, I think it was specifically about airbags in cars, um, which is a little outside of medicine, but, um, even that, that notion there, it wasn't built for women. A lot of the prescription drugs that we take, you know, we're probably supposed to take half of the dosage. Um, certain procedures, women are not, uh, the pain level that they experience, you know, um, it's, it's kind of not accounted for because 
they just weren't in the studies when it was happening or um, there weren't enough that research that was done. So I know for me, I'm very passionate about more women representation and leadership, especially in the health tech space, because it is so important for that perspective. And I love that you highlight um, parts of that. So, yeah, there's so much to explore and unpack there. There really is. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'm going to pivot a little bit. I know you, you mentioned that you, you have your MBA. Yes. So can you tell me a little bit about that experience, why you decided to get your MBA um, and how it's helped you within the health technology space? Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. So I went back uh, to, to, to graduate school when I was, I think it was around 40. So really that's in kind of uh, traditional, um, following tradition, you know, usually people go back a little bit earlier and it was just something that had kind of been growing inside of me. And I started to talk to people that were a part of different programs and I, what the trigger was for me is I was working inside the innovation team and working closely with the office of the CTO. And there was this special group of kind of MBAs that were doing kind of special projects and discovery work. I think they came out of UC Berkeley. And I was really impressed with the depth of the questions they were asking. And I really sensed this awareness of business acumen, much more so from like, you know, there's project management and there's program management. And that's always thought of as kind of the business perspective. But really what they were asking were these deeper questions that really showed their business acumen. And I realized that that was an area that I wanted to dig in so that I could be that valuable partner on the team to have this well-rounded perspective. And I'm so grateful for that, right? So we could go in two different ways. We could go intimidation or we could go with curiosity. And I chose curiosity. And that's what led me to really looking at different programs. Um, Now, I had the good fortune of getting a scholarship. And so that really helped because we all have to think about costs, right? So are we getting our companies to help subsidize? We're taking out loans. Like as an adult too, we kind of have this style of living. So there's some challenges, but what I will say is it was one of the biggest gifts that I gave to myself to explore new models of thinking and to, to, so it, it really transformed me. So I just talked about a little bit about what inspired me to go. Um, And through that program, what I really dug into um, is really thinking about kind of strategic foresight and scenario modeling and how that could be such a benefit to companies who are used to these one to two year thinking cycles. So this is really more of where the force is going in the future And how do we do strategy in a very different way? So it's like, here's the future. Here are scenarios for the future. And how might we retrocast to get to this place that's coming? And so inspired by that. So I really say I took and dug into human-centered design and design thinking and how it helps business and business strategy. And how might we do scenario modeling 
all to help better build better um, guide strategy for product services and experiences. So it was the most amazing thing. The last thing I want to share is I really worked, had to learn to work with people that were 10, 15 years younger than I am. And, and then there were also people that were about 10 years older. And so it's, it's so important that we really understand the motivators and we understand how to work and elevate each other or learn and have this cycle of, of sharing. Um, and it was one of the greatest gifts. Wow. And I'm sure you'd learned so much, um, through that entire experience. And, um, I love what you, what you said just a bit earlier, what you said, just go into it with curiosity. Um, and it, it seems even through that experience, you had like an open mind, you were willing to, to learn from others. And um, I'm sure it came with its own set of challenges. Would you mind highlighting a few of like the challenges you've had to overcome, whether it be in your MBA, within your career? Oh my gosh. Um, some challenges. You know, I think one of the challenges coming out of the MBA is, you know, really having been a practitioner of human-centered design, building products, uh, not only conceptualizing, but building products, and then going into a team that may not have an established set of methodologies and really then needing to appreciate what's the appetite for change? How do you build trust in teams? Um, you know, especially at the role that you might come in. So a director level, like what's the appetite from the vice president? What needs to get done and where are the growth areas? You know, how can we do more skill sharing? So I think that that was one of the challenges is being really like this evangelist and then going in and needing to support the culture that was there, but also be willing to be a change agent and in a disruptor that was collaborative and not off-putting. So that was one example. Um, I think the other, and maybe this ties to one of the conversations that that we were having is, is recognizing not everyone thinks alike. And so there are times where I thought, oh, I'm, I'm sure you already know this. I'm sure you already uh, have considered this or these are my set of assumptions. I'm sure they're yours too. And let's just get those on the table because maybe we need to go in and understand a little bit more about your perspective or my perspective um, because we're actually really curious. And it's not assumed that I know what you know or you know what I know. And I don't know if that's imposter syndrome or not, but I think those were those were two is just let's start with a grounding and then go into like further discovery of what we're trying to accomplish and why. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that. Um, and I love how you work through, you know, both of those this examples that you gave. And, you know, how would you say like those adversities or and and amongst others, how has that aided in your success that you have today? Relationship building. It's really aided in deeper collaboration, willing to have trust. Like when you have trust, you know, because there's been communication of 
intention, perspective, assumptions, goals, the why behind it. So I think that, you know, again, it's, we all have different skill sets and strengths. And mine is definitely as a relator, as an activator, as a communicator and a, and a collaborator. Yeah. I love that. I love, I mean, I, I'm going to, I need a t-shirt that says this, the, be a disruptor, but also a collaborator rather than being like off-putting, which that's amazing. I love that, that balance that you're able to maintain because, you know, it, it can be, um, it's difficult. It's difficult to try to balance being like disruptive, but also maintaining like that sense of community and making sure everyone's working towards a new goal or like being innovative and changing the space. Um, so I love that you're able to, to balance that. Um, what would you say has been, you know, through, through this, these journey, like this, your journey, what, what have you learned about yourself? You know, as, as a teammate, um, I've learned to really hone in on the type of, I don't want to say person, but the strengths of each other and really just like put those out there. Like, do you see this as your strength? I see this as my strength. I've learned that by honing in and really communicating and, and bringing that awareness, seeing if there's alignment and kind of this awareness that it allows for us to identify when there's a gap in our strengths, but we need that strength in order to get the job done. And then there can be a conversation of how do we want to move forward? So basically that could be, I'm giving you or you're giving me permission to kind of go into an area or capability that I don't actually have as like, you know, a lot of experience in, but there's permission to learn because you're not assuming that I'm going to do it to it. You know what I'm saying? There's really this permission to kind of grow. And so I would say that that's one of in the last, I don't know, five years where it's really honoring who someone is and the strengths and experiences that they have and playing to those strengths and I think that's something that's really different than, you know, as we've like in the earlier years of our career, it was really, let's talk about your weaknesses and how can we get those more stronger, you know, let's, let's minimize those. But it's, but I think it's the inverse. It's like, let's elevate play to the strengths. And then as a core team, when we understand there's a gap, how do we as a core team want to close that gap? And that's a much more empowering perspective to take. Than, um, than playing a different way. Yeah, that is so, that's very interesting. I, I remember reading like, I think it was like a Harvard Business Review article on playing to your strengths. What a what a unique concept because you re- you're, you're correct when you say we were so heavily focused on our weaknesses. How do we get rid of them? How do we not have any at all? We're, we're human, right? We all should have our weaknesses and, um, but why not? get excited about what we do because our strengths are the things that make us not only good at something, but passionate oftentimes about the things that we do. So, um, I, I love, I love that you highlight that. And I mean, I'm curious, what would you, if you could go back, like, what would you say to your younger self? What advice would you give? Mm. (laughs) Um, uh, 
I probably would have said, go to graduate school earlier. And, uh, <laughs> um, you know, and I, I've had so much great, like big enterprise experience that I probably would have said, go to an earlier stage company and really kind of like, you're going to get so much exposure to business. You can be on the tech side, the operations, you can get into innovation and product and marketing. Go in, go into to some of the companies that are going to be the partners to those big innovators, those big enterprise companies. And and be willing to fail, be willing to try. And um, that could be process, that could be different approaches. You know, I think roles, like just be willing to continue to grow and learn. And, and that could be failing isn't really failing. You know, you just, you find out information and you get to apply that next time. Failing isn't failing. You're just learning another lesson. Um, and I love that. I, I absolutely love that. Um, and I'm pivoting back to like the health technology space, the innovation work that you've done, you know, what do you think is next for health tech? Like, what do you, with all the AI things that are coming out with just, I think more, more eyes are on healthcare more recently. I think the COVID, like the pandemic had shown us like these fallacies, like the, the gaps that we have in care. What trends do you see health technology like, where do you think that it's going to go to next? I love that question, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give a couple couple directions of where where it could go next. But last week I was at an event tied to J.P. Morgan um, that was hosted here in San Francisco, and it was a women in tech event that was at Perkins Coie Law Firm, and we were. Uh, we had a panel of women speaking, and we really were in agreement that transparency in AI is essential. And I think we talked about this a, a little bit earlier, which is around transparency and what's feeding these data models and what's the diversity of data that's being reflected here. So we went into this this deeper discussion around women women and, and people of color, um, people at different socioeconomic levels. Just a really interesting insight is that one of the women, I think she was from Flatiron Health, said that they're going into data and pulling data from community health centers because it's far more rich and diverse and represent, representing uh, the type of data that they want as they're building out kind of their future algorithms. So I think data transparency, I think um, that's that's a big trend that we're going to see, and an expectation for that transparency that we're going to see. Wow, I have not even thought about that. <laughs> I feel like I don't know enough about AI, but I think that more recently it has just completely blown up in in our social media space, where I, I've been now seeing videos on videos on like utilizing AI, how can we, oh, I, this, this is, I had a two-part question. So first off is how can we, I think you've probably had answered this, but what, what do you think AI is going to do in the health tech space? Like 
specifically around customer experience, specifically around payment transformation, or really any sort of like innovation um, and efficiency work within the healthcare system. And then the second part is what can we do as individuals working in health tech to do better or help us collectively reach a goal where we're really helping the the patients and helping ourselves? I know these were two very heavy questions. So if you want to break it up, if you want to, if you want me to reframe, re-ask, um, but I'm, I'm fascinated with this topic. It's what can we do working in health tech to leverage AI and where, where will we be leveraging AI and, um, and in terms of bettering the customer experience or product experience, or even in operations of a business. And um you know, one approach to take, especially for anyone that's working in strategy or they're working in product, is to partner with the AI, the data scientists, with the engineers, so that as we have strategy and business and we have our engineers and data scientists, that we're really starting to think about what questions are we trying, what questions do we have, and is that possible with the data? Um Bringing in business, the business side of of the team helps us understand: Are we going to have issues with compliance or legal or any tied, you know, anything tied to uh, data de- identification and HIPAA? So I think, you know, this is a bit more around process, but it's like embrace those people, the data scientists and the engineers, as your partners in the discovery, and then as we start to go through and formulate solutions that can be used like insights at point of care that's taking big data and building these insight models um, that we're testing those with the end users. So if that's, you know, in that case, it's probably more of a provider and making sure that there's, there's trust and that we really understand their pain points and that we're solving for these pain points with these AI models, and that there's a way in which we're validating and making sure that these models are staying up to date. Um, so I really think that that's essential, and that's a little bit more in terms of where you'll see some of the AI being used, and then how do we think, like from a methodology and process perspective, that there's really sustainability in kind of this model. Just a few more questions. So Joyce, what is next for you? That is a great question. You know, really, I'm I'm starting conversations to explore uh, what's next. So for me, um, I am looking for career opportunities in high growth companies, innovation and strategy firms, um, or even you know dynamic short term projects. So really, that's that's what's next for me. What's next for you is finding out what's next. So that will be (laughs) be your tagline. Um, And I mean, obviously you're a guest host on our Women in Tech podcast. So I have to ask, who is a woman in tech that inspires you? Oh my gosh. Well, I did give a list of amazing women like uh, Kate Merton and Maria Filipova and Faye Sahai. Um, one, I think that's, you know, she's she's a bigger name. She's tied to a podcast. I think it's the Stanford Innovation Podcast. 
she was an early design thinker and really got into kind of strategic foresight. But uh, Tina Steeling, uh, she is, I think that she's really a woman that's, you know, been a visionary, been a front person and facilitates conversations uh, that that really can benefit women in tech. I absolutely love it. I love that you have so many um, individuals that you can name off as well. So just to kind of, uh, before we close out, I wanted to ask you a few quick fire questions. So what is your favorite book? <sighs> okay. My favorite book of recent times would be The Overstory by Richard Powers. Have you read this book? I have not. So please tell me a bit more about it. Oh my gosh. It will make you want to hug trees, like literally. So the overstory is around these like characters around their kind of their worlds and lives, but they're all deeply connected to the climate, to the environment, to climate change and to protecting what we love. Um, this book was, I feel like it was 2021 that it was nominated and received numerous awards, but it really talks about the importance of us being stewards of our environment and the interconnectedness of life. I love that. And that is so important in our current society today with, you know, our global warming and all that. So you said it's called The Overstory. The Overstory by Richard Powers. By Richard Powers. Okay. I am adding that to, to my list of two. Right. Um, so next question is, what is your favorite podcast or video series? Oh my gosh. My favorite podcast. Well, I do enjoy uh, the podcast from uh, uh, Tina around innovation and, you know, lately I've really been inspired by Aspen Ideas to Go. It just has this kind of broad perspective of different topics and, you know, and innovators and thinkers. So I'm going to go with that one. I love it. And then what would you say is your most recommended resource for tech or health technology information? Um, you know, right now I'm really digging into where investments are happening, where partnerships are happening, what's getting funded. So I look at rock health. Uh, I look at startup health and to see like, what's the conversations that's taking place at more of a, a system level or ecosystem level. Uh, that's, those are two two places that I kind of go in and, and check for a pulse on what's happening. I love it. I'm a foodie. So I have to ask, what is your favorite food, <laughs> favorite dish, favorite food? <laughs> if you cook your favorite thing to make. Um, okay. So two parts to that one, uh, I could eat sushi for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it isn't uncommon for me to have it most weekdays for lunch, like fresh fish broth, like, I get, it's just, it's healthy. It's not super heavy. And in terms of cooking, I, uh, I just go to a website called food 52. I'm really into spices these days. 
And really like, I just, I'm just so curious about them. And so recently I made a, uh, a vegetable tangine. It was with apricots and with some leftover squash that we had in the refrigerator. And it was just like five different, six different spices. So I'm going to say foods that require experimentation with, with seasoning and spice. Wow. I absolutely love that. And I've never heard of Food 52, but I am going to look that up as soon as we get off. Because <laughs> I adore cooking and this is going to be, it's going to be amazing. And you must have also loved living in Hawaii with all of the fish <gasps> um, all around. <laughs> so pokey every day. <laughs> uh, so good. So, so good. So Joyce, what is one thing our listeners can do to support you? That's a great question. And I love that you're asking that. I would say right now I'm in a place where it's who should I be talking to and who should I know? And this could be for ideas that are incubating uh, around, you know, just things they're trying to figure out, human-centered design, design thinking, product market fit. So I just feel like who are women that I should be talking to or should that we should know each other? And if someone comes to mind, send me an email, send me a text message, and let's talk. Let's get to know each other and see how we can support each other. I love that. And so when you say that, how can people connect with you? Is there any social media channel you prefer and your email? Yeah, great question. I would say LinkedIn, LinkedIn messages. I'm I'm super responsive. And uh, my email address, which is JoyceP at gmail.com. Amazing. All right. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Joyce. And thank you for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. So to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech around the world, remember to go to womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. You can say hello to us on our social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. And I'll see you next on our next episode. Goodbye. And thank you, Joyce. Thank you. Goodbye. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.